You're listening to the Beyond Sundays podcast. Each week, we talk to people just like you from all over the world who share stories of God's faithfulness. Join today's conversation all the way from Petah Tikva, which in case you're driving and can't like Google that or don't have a globe nearby, it is a city in the central district of Israel, about six and a half miles east of Tel Aviv. Jake Mills, our missions and outreach pastor here at Beltway Park, along with our executive pastor, Randy Turner, sit down with Eitan Shishkoff to talk about an essential dimension within God's kingdom, which is the Jewish people. They talk about what it's looked like to walk in relationship with one another over the years. In fact, this is one of our longest lasting ministry partners that we have. You will love hearing Aton share his own personal story and testimony of how he returned to his homeland to join God in the calling and destiny on his life. You know, there's a reason I wanted to save this conversation with Aton until the end of the Restful Life series. Not only do I find it fitting to end with a conversation from Israel, the place our Prince of Peace once walked and will return one day. Thank you, Jesus. But Aton just wraps it up so beautifully for us with a charge really an invitation to live the restful life. I don't want to spoil it, but you will be both encouraged and blessed. So let's get to it. All right, we are on location here in Israel at our campground uh, where we do a camp each year uh, with Tents of Mercy and kids here and near Petatikva. I'm Jake Mills, the missions and outreach pastor at Beltway Park. I'm here with Randy Turner, our executive pastor. And one of our longest partners at Beltway, missions partners, Eitan Shishkoff. And so Eitan, so glad that you're here with us. We appreciate your time. I just want to give you a second just to introduce yourself and maybe introduce Tents of Mercy. This podcast goes out to uh, a lot of people at Beltway, but also others. They may have never heard of you, never heard of Tents of Mercy. So just a snapshot, kind of introduce yourself in Tents of Mercy. Okay. Well, first of all, it's, it's really a joy to be with both of you. Um, the name Tents of Mercy might uh, sound unusual as a name for a congregation and a ministry, um, but in the winter of 89, when the Berlin Wall had fallen and communism was falling with it, um, Jewish people began to make an exodus from the former Soviet Union. And um, as they were doing so, I found myself in an early morning prayer meeting and praying about the destiny of these people, my people, uh, and asking the Lord to... Uh, give them a revelation of Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. And um, as I was doing this, I, I saw an oasis, like a desert oasis. And this phrase kind of echoing in my spirit, tents of mercy. I had no idea why I was seeing the oasis or what this was about. But God gave me a download of his compassion, compassion mm. and mercy being synonyms, for especially for the people who are pouring out of the Soviet Union, looking for freedom, looking for God, really, mm -hmm. after the 70-plus years of communism. And so this became the name of the ministry that then, several years later, um, was birthed in Israel. I knew that it was destined to be a ministry in Israel uh, just because of the, the desert nature of this uh, prayer vision that I was receiving. Mm. So Tents of Mercy is both a congregation and a humanitarian aid center. We've had... Um, incredible times of distributing uh, physical aid to needy families. Uh, the congregation began in December of 1995. I'd only been in the country for three years, but I knew that I should start the work in Hebrew, not in English. 
So our languages basically were Hebrew and Russian. So wow. anytime I was giving a, a Bible message, I was giving it in my very, very simple, broken immigrant Hebrew, and it was being translated into Russian. Um, and as the years unfolded, about five years later, we planted our first daughter congregation. And uh, before too many years forward, we had a little network of five congregations wow, in, in northern Israel. Yeah. So uh, it's been an adventure. That's great. And we at Beltway have been partnering with you guys for a long time. We believe in what you're doing. I know there's, it's more than just a partnership, you know, it's a relationship, a close knit unity that we have uh, between you and, you know, personally between you and, and David McQueen, our lead pastor and Randy, but also just our two congregations. Cause we've been doing uh, something every year for the last maybe 15 years. I'll ask Randy to elaborate on that when that started. But Randy was a part of uh, starting this camp, um, and so were you. So we'll get your take on it, but first we'll get Randy's take on starting this camp that we do every single summer here in Israel. Yeah, we've been blessed. I think it was maybe 2005 or six, maybe seven at the latest. I've lost track uh, probably through the years, but anyway, <laughs> uh, really the, the whole camp idea uh, was instigated by uh, Aton and by Pastor David. They had the conversation about what, they're, what we do with our kids during the summer and some of that stuff. And Aton came back to who was the equivalent of their of, of a children's, what we would call in the States, a children's pastor. And he visited with uh, Katya Morrison and then David came and visited with me and uh, put the two of us, uh, the two of them, put the two of us together and the rest is history. And we have had a lot of years now of being able to gather together at the Baptist Village each summer, uh, except for two years during COVID. Uh, but even in 2014, during the middle of Gaza war, we were able to be here and we adjusted how we did camp and we did it in the north of, of Israel and made it happen and had some amazing, we've seen some amazing things. It's been fun to watch our, uh, these kids grow up. And now uh, so many of them are here. I've even just yesterday, just looking at several of the kids that are here and they were kids that grew up yes. coming to this camp and now they're counselors at the camp. Lasting fruit. It is lasting Immeasurable. fruit. Immeasurable. Yeah. It really is sweet to, to sit and watch what the Lord has done um, in them and that we as a church have been able to be a part of that. I was, David and I were talking um, recently about trying to even just figure out how many, because some years we've taken two trips here to Israel. Some has just been one and then, but it, it was in the hundreds of number of people now since, since this journey between you and David in relationship led to the first group of our elders coming over here. And through those years, and I think that was 2003, I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure it was the fall of 2003. And now we have had hundreds of people um, that we've been able to bring over here and not just Beltway Park people. We have brought other uh, pastors from other congregations in the States to introduce them to uh, what does scripture teach us as Gentiles about walking in relationship with the Jewish people? And I'd love for you just to share a little more on that. Very significant. Well, you've just put your finger, uh, Randy, on something that is really, um, for me, an essential dimension uh, of God's word, of God's kingdom. Uh, I even had the opportunity to write a book about it, of the relationship between uh, people in the nations, uh, sometimes called Gentiles. The word simply means nation uh, in Hebrew. Uh, goyim is nations and, um, and Jewish believers. And our commonality through Jesus, through Yeshua, uh, creates a unique 
oneness and a, a unique unity of heart without losing our distinctive callings. And um, so, I mean, you know, I could get Im immediately my mind is racing, uh, you know, over all of the significance of this. But what I love and what you've both pointed to is the relational expression uh, of something that's a deep spiritual truth. So, you know, we like to dig into the Bible and we get really turned on by, you know, different truths that we find there. But living that out with real people, with different personalities and, and histories, and then working through, you know, this all sounds very, um, how should I say, you know, romantic and victorious, uh, you know, to bring these groups over. But the fact is that it's not easy. It's not easy to adapt. It's not easy to be in a different culture, a different environment, different weather, different languages, and different expectations. And so, you know, all I can say is that the, the I'm, I'm thinking of the word cooperative, but it's deeper than cooperative. It's, it's some kind of bonding. That's a better word. There's really been a bonding through the efforts of, of Beltway and, and those who've come through your sponsorship uh, with, with our people. And I'm forever grateful. What have been some of the challenges? You mentioned language and things like that, but as you think back over the, the years that we've been doing this camp specifically, um, and you were, you were leading the congregation, maybe multiple, helping to lead multiple congregations, I don't know. And I, and I know that you know, if you're listening and you don't realize this, it's not just one congregation of kids that come to this camp, it's, it's multiple, it's like yes. you said. And so there's some, even some logistical, probably, uh, you know, difficulties in that. But, but what are some of the things that we've overcome over the years that you can think of? Well, having been involved in, in other types of camps, Jake, um, what I would say is that the, uh, the interaction and coordination between um, an Israeli um, local leadership, uh, local coordination, uh, which began with this incredible woman, Katya Morrison, whose mm -hmm. memory is so special to us and, and is with the Lord now, uh, her pioneering and then... Uh, and then teaming up together with Randy so that uh, people are bypassing ego uh, for the sake of creating something together. Yeah. And, and I think that that really is a good description because, you know, I wasn't intimately involved in, yeah, in how right. each, each piece was put together. But knowing Katya, knowing Randy, and then coming every year just to feel the feeling and the atmosphere, yeah. I know that... Uh, I know that it was it was built together, and so that element, when that doesn't exist, you're asking about about problems. Yeah, when yeah. that doesn't exist, and people overcoming the need to be in charge or to have their point of view be the one that's emphasized. I mean, there there are all these compromises and being able to listen to each other. Uh, so that's a, that's a huge challenge. Uh, when you're when you're cooperating between nations and and between cultures, and one thing that I would say um, to Randy's credit and and to your your whole teams and and to David, of course, is that so often, and I am American. I was born in Chicago, Illinois, <laughs> and I lived in America until I was almost forty five years old when I moved here. So I'm I'm not anti American, but the orientation often of American outreach and missions is 
let us do it for you. Yeah. We know what needs to be done. Just, you know, let us loose, you know, and, and we'll show you and you can follow us. And that is not the way that it's been done here. Mm, so uh, that is that is an amazing testimony yeah. and very special and unusual. And I, I praise God for it. And I've got a lot of experience working together with different groups and, and, and different layers of, of ministry. In addition to that, you know, I did kind of throw out words like language and culture. I mean, look, it's not easy. You guys are running around here. Uh, with a bunch of of kids from what the second grade through the seventh, something like that, and you know, very few of them speak English. They're they're Hebrew speaking kids. Now, some of them have Russian at home. Some of them have uh, English at home. Uh, they're scattering. Some of them have Amharic, which is the Ethiopian language at home. Um, but they're all going to school and learning Hebrew, and Hebrew is their, you know, their language of of comfort. But Hebrew is not the language of the people coming from Texas. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so that, that requires a humility. And, and I think that humility is one of the greatest byproducts of doing this kind of thing. And of course, that's so important for each of us, no matter where we live and where we're coming mm -hmm. from. So I think that would, you know, that could relate to all of the circumstances, whether it's the heat or whether it's, you know, a different bed or, you know, I mean, these are obvious things. But also, um, you know, within the team, which I'm sure Randy could write books about that, um, you know, you always have dynamics with people. And as soon as people are out of their place of comfort and confidence, things begin to come out and things begin to happen. Am I right? That's right. And I've seen that with, with volunteers over the years. So it's not just a matter of, hey, you know, we're here. And uh, by the way, the servant heartedness is, wow, just... So beautiful. I always like to go into the kitchen, you know, when I when I come to visit during the camp and just to just to spray, you know, double barreled gratitude, you know, to the people. They're just working away, working away, you know, washing the pots, making the food. Your team is just so amazing as an example of godly servanthood. Yeah, I would say I just want to echo what Aton uh, is saying. We have been blessed from the from the get go. In uh, Katya and I's uh, relationship, and uh, we worked well together. We gleaned off of each other well. And but part of what I think uh, for us, as we began this journey for uh, from the Beltway side, was really an impression from the Lord that we were here to serve, and not to take over, and not to. Uh, I think from the get go, we really had that sense that we were to come alongside. I agree. And uh, that was the role God was calling us to, and that we didn't understand the ins and outs. There were things in Israeli culture that we did not understand. There were things um, as a believer in the uh, in Israel that looked very different than uh, a believer in the United States. Most of our people um, that we were bringing over, uh, our young people that were in colleges and and people that worked, you know, in jobs, they all worked with believers or they were mm. in school with believers. And there was so much, I think that we learned and are still learning about what it looks like to be a believer in Israel. And so it was a, it was a give and take. It was never a, it was never, we all brought our pieces, our gifts to the table. And from that, the Lord has created an incredible ministry and opportunity that we've all uh, been receivers and been um, blessed by the relationship. 
um, that the Lord has allowed us to have. And it's taught us a lot. There's nothing like, uh, you know, we, we really, at the end of our trips, usually when we have a discussion, sometimes on the bus on the way back from Dallas, Fort Worth to Abilene, what was the highlight of your trip? What was the, and I mean, just nine times out of 10, it's camp. Nine times out of 10, it's camp. And it's because they got an opportunity to sit at a table like we're doing today and hear their stories and hear people's life and understand what life looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have when the number of college kids that we brought over through the years and they hear the story of what it's like to serve in the army and the expectation of that. And our kids don't have any, that's not even on their radar that people choose the military because they choose to make that a career, lots of them, you know, uh, and they maybe come from a military family, right. but there's not an expectation of military where here there's this, there is an uh, inbred pride and an expectation of we serve our country and it's we mandatory. serve our family. It is mandatory, but they even take pride in it. I've yes. watched them through the years. Mm -hmm. I've watched these kids that, uh, you know, it is always real humbling. It's always a... Um, Oh, I can't even find the right word, but when you watch these kids that are second, third, fourth, and fifth grade, and you begin to realize it's just in a few years they're going to be in the Army. It's, it was true. As I watched your granddaughter come into service last night, and I saw Desta come in and thinking she was a child here at this camp, and she looks to me like, still like a child in the Army. <laughs> and I look at these kids like that and think, golly, what an experience. And it's stuff that we get to understand and hear the testimonies, hear the stories that is life-changing when you, when you see it and you hear it and you see um, – the, even the consequences, I don't, you know, we don't always have a consequence to uh, being a believer in our, mm. in our schools, perhaps, especially in West Texas. It's, it's pretty common to be in a classroom with several other believers that you probably attend church with. And, uh, but here that would not be the case. Totally, totally. And so to hear those testimonies hear that that's what draws people back time and time again, because I've got a number of people that I never, I have not in years had a year that I have been the only one that's been to Israel. There's always a, a strong remnant, if not half my team that had been before. And the reason isn't because they got to see the wall again, or they got to be <laughs> baptized in the Jordan again. It's not because they went to tell Dan. The reason is always about the people because they made a connection with, uh, with the people. And that has been uh, the, the, um, the value of that's been immeasurable. I've seen that. It's very touching. Jake, if I could just take off on, on one point that Randy made. In Israel, okay, so, um, you know, Israel is, is Jesus' natural family, the country where he was born and lived and, and uh, performed his miracles and declared the kingdom of God was crucified and rose from the dead. Here, Israel, um, is an unreached people. The, the numbers of believers, Israeli Jewish believers, uh, is something like two-tenths of one percent. There was a survey done recently. We were using figures of 20,000, 25,000, which is still kind of minuscule in a, in a, a population of, of, let's say, um, six million plus in, in Jewish families, maybe about seven million. I think, I think we're seven million in Jewish families, two million in Arab-speaking families of, of Israeli citizens, that um, maybe 15,000 is what is a harder, more accurate number of Jewish believers in Yeshua's nation 
who are following him as disciples. Hmm. So we live in basically uh, a nation that 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 has no concept of of who Yeshua is. Now that's been changing. The the thirty years that I've been here, especially with the advent of of internet, people are hearing the message, and, and but they're hearing it in secret because there's a cost to becoming a, a, a believer within your family, within your social group. And so, you know, all of that to say that, that yes, the kids who are in this camp, even for them to be with a collection of other kids like this from other congregations, and by the way, this is one of the things that I'm so proud of. Now it's expanded beyond the, the initial five congregations that, that I helped to father. There are two or three other congregations uh, that, that have come through the fathering of, of Asher Intrader that are now very involved. And in fact, we really see ourselves as kind of a combined network. And it is so thrilling to see this expression of, of, of cross-congregational pollination. That is exciting. That's, that's really awesome. I have um, a couple more questions for you, Eitan. One is, you know, you mentioned being from Chicago, Illinois. And so... You know, what gets you from Chicago to Israel, you know, back in, did you say the 80s is when the Lord uh, spoke to you? I can't remember. 1989. When it, 1989, so almost the and 90s. We actually yeah. came in 92. 92. So, you know, you you're, you said 45. What is that? Yeah. So you had kids. And so what, what would make you move and stay and do that whole thing? I mean, what's, tell us that story. Well, um, uh, being as succinct as I can, uh, <laughs> first of all, we jumped from Chicago to Southern California as a family. Okay. So more of my childhood growing up experience was in Southern California. Gotcha. Uh, and then off to college in more Northern California and uh, ultimately met the Lord uh, while doing a hippie commune farming thing uh, in the high mountains of New Mexico. And um, we came to faith uh, as a result of a, a tragic murder of a close friend um, by a total stranger. I won't go into the details of that. But in the aftermath of that tragedy, I was just really pretty much shaking my fists at heaven. You see, I grew up in, in a home with a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish father, and I was raised as neither a Jew nor a Christian. Hmm. So we were, we were humanists. In other words, I was taught that the sacred thing is is the human being, the, the spirit of man, which is in a way not far from truth because God created us in his image. But without God, then you don't have that image. Mm -hmm. uh, so the Lord granted me a full-on waking vision of Jesus on the cross. And I saw in his eyes, like I'm looking in your eyes, Jake, the absolutely eternal transformative love of God regardless of the junk that was in me. Hmm. So when I came to faith, I was just, you know, I was reading the Bible. In fact, I, I, we came down from the mountains. I started going to Bible school. And um, nobody was teaching me about anything connected with uh, the Jewish background of the New Testament. Or even there seemed to be this vast separation between the Old Testament and New Testament. Like Old Testament is mean God. New Testament is kind God. You know, that, that was kind of like, I mean, nobody was saying that, but it, it, it sort of seemed like that, you know, in simple terms. And one day I was reading about uh, the Last Supper 
And it suddenly occurred to me that this was a Passover meal, even though I wasn't that familiar with Passover. I actually had never experienced one myself. Um, but, but the Holy Spirit communicated to me, this is your heritage. You are no better than anyone else of any other background, but this is the heritage I've given you. Hmm. You, were, you were born as a Jew, and I want you to know me in a Jewish way. Hmm. And, and, you know, and I'll teach you. So you know, that's what led to, eventually, the desire to come to Israel. Because as we continued to live out and celebrate the feasts of the Bible and learn of their messianic fulfillment and, and um, you know, we're really drawn back into this history that was Yeshua's history and his background. I mean, really, without an understanding of the Hebrew scriptures, you, you aren't going to, you're not going to grasp the New Testament. I mean, you can, you can certainly get saved. You can certainly get filled with the Holy Spirit. But to understand it in the context of the book of Acts, what were, what were those people living? What was their life like? What was their understanding? How did they relate? That was their Bible, the Hebrew mm -hmm. scriptures. And so I just came alive on the inside. And over time... Uh, I began to realize that there was something incredibly special about Israel and that Israel had been reborn. And I was trying to understand the prophetic books and I wasn't totally getting it. And then one day I was in a, a seminar and the teacher said, if you are a Messianic Jew, you need to seriously consider moving to Israel because Israel needs to hear the news of the gospel. Israel needs to know who their Messiah is mm -hmm. and who else is going to tell them but you Jewish believers that already know him in this way. Yeah. Bing. <laughs> I, was just, I was just touched by that. I knew that God was speaking to me. This was 1977, and I'm still a relatively young believer. I came to faith in 72. And I, I wrote in the margin of this notebook, this is my destiny. Fifteen years unfolded, Jake, and during that time, I just kept learning. And I wound up in a Messianic uh, congregation in Maryland, mm -hmm. all okay. the way from New Mexico. We moved to Maryland and, and began to serve and began to be a pastor in a Messianic Jewish context. And, um, and I, I felt this is, this is our home. This is where we belong. But, but if I stay in the United States, I'm not going all the way with God's intention. And I heard from the Lord in 1977. So we began to pray and to plan. Meanwhile, God gave us a third child. Now, our first two children were born in our 20s. Okay. And then we had this other little fellow when we were in our 40s. <laughs> and then... And then he needed a little sister. So, so we were looking at our fourth child, but the, 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 the number three and number four were in our 40s. And that was when we were about to come to Israel. And I thought, you know, these little kids need to grow up as Israelis. And it was sort of like this time clock clicked in. Hmm. And so in addition to the inspiration from the scriptures, the, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, and obviously also, you know, confirmation and support from the people that were around us. We had this, this family sense, and uh, we had two young adult children then. David was 22, Hannah was 19. They're both, they're both leaders in this yeah. camp, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and David, together with his wife, Orit, they have been for many years, together with Leora. And um, they were on board and so, so we came in uh, November of 92, and uh, I dove right into the language immediately because I knew 
that I did not want to speak here as an American, even though my American accent follows me wherever I go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to say that I can't even take a breath. I can't even, I can't even, you know, as soon as I, as I draw in air, people know that I'm an American. But, <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, it's, it's been, um, it's been absolutely, it's demanded everything. It has taken everything and it still does pretty much every day. Mm. but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm. That's really good. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. In a moment, Eitan, I'm going to ask you to say a blessing over um, our people and those who are listening. But Randy, before we get into that, you know, we just heard from Eitan how he, you know, kind of took this leap and moved to Israel, um, even though they were probably you know, fears and concerns and he had kids and all that. I imagine there are people who listened to you just now a minute ago talk about, you know, taking these trips to Israel and taking these teams to Israel. And they may be saying something like, oh, that I'll never do that. You know, I could never do that. I could never whatever. And, you know, fill in the blank as far as the fears go, whether it's money or just leaving or, or time or, or whatever. So I know I'm the missions outreach pastor, but you've been leading this trip for so long. What would you say to somebody who is considering going? I mean, one, one or two things that you would say, hey, you know, here's my advice to you, and here's why you should really, really take this seriously and think about it. I would say um, as believers, every believer, and I know we've heard uh, Pastor David say this, it would be our desire, A, we want everybody to, to participate in world outreach, world missions at some level, um, but but to make the connection with Israel and the Jewish people is key to who we are as a church. And so it is our encouragement. We believe every believer uh, Beltway Park ought to be able, ought to go to Israel at some point. They've got to make the connection. They there's nothing like it. You can sit, you can listen to podcasts all day long. You can read all the books. Um, you can listen to the sermons, but setting foot here is, uh, it, there's nothing like it. There's something that it, it feel. And my, my teams always say this, it felt like we arrived, we were home and there's something that just takes place. I actually brought several years ago with me um, a, a Jewish man, had never made any connection with his family, uh, never had lived as a Jew, nothing like that, and uh, had no interest, had no interest in it whatsoever. And But a friend of his had invited him to come with him, and I happened to be sitting on the bus as we pulled into Jerusalem, and we pulled through the, through the tunnel, and then you see the walls of Jerusalem, and he began to weep. Wow. Weep. I mean, it was it was a holy, surreal moment that there's just something that takes place. And when, you, when you're here, suddenly the Word of God, as you're sitting in, uh, you're, you're at the Mount of Beatitudes, and you read through the Sermon on the Mount. And now you can picture it. Or you're on the Galilee, and you understand you're, you're floating on that... Uh, massive lake and then you the the all the scriptures things that you've been told you've been taught that you've read now come to life but um it it really comes always comes back to but yeshua died for people and when they get to make the connection mm -hmm. with the people it is life-changing and so the scriptures come alive 
uh, the, word, the Word of God just absolutely comes alive, but making the connection with the people and the land, um, the truths of God's Word yes. is life-changing, and you'll, you never, you'll never read the Word the same again because you, you can visualize it. You can actually, you, it's, I've been there, I, I've seen that, I know this now, and uh, it, it really is, it's life-changing for your spirit, it's life-changing for your walk um, with the Lord. So I, you know, I would, I would tell people now, get ready for next year. We provide lots of opportunities for you to, to fundraise, to start, uh, you know, to, so that to help um, cover the costs. And we've got people that sacrifice a lot um, to make this happen. And so come and, and be a part of it. That is never something you will ever, ever look back on with any kind of regret ever. Yeah, and I just want to echo some of that to say if you're considering going on any of our mission trips, you know, real soon we'll have um, opportunities for you to sign up and find out more and go check it out. And, and maybe Israel is the one that the Lord wants you to go on. And just to, to emphasize something Randy said, we uh, never want money to be the reason you don't go on a mission trip. And so if you're thinking you're looking at the cost and you're thinking I'll never have that much money or whatever, um, please just come and, and check it out. we got lots of fundraisers, lots of people giving, lots of ways to go, and uh, we would love for you to be a part of it. We do believe uh, that every, every serious, um, you know, fully functioning, developing follower of Jesus Christ uh, should be involved in the Great Commission, reaching out and going to the nations, and this is a way you can do that in a very literal and practical way but it's also accessible. We can help you. You don't have to do it yourself. So I want to invite you to find out more information and to jump in on one of our teams and specifically jump in on the Israel team. And uh, it'll be a blast and it will absolutely transform your life and the way you read scriptures in the future. Eitan, would you mind just saying a blessing over those who are listening over Beltway Park and anything the Lord leads you to pray for? Well, not only would I not mind, I would, <laughs> I would uh, uh, jump at the opportunity. Um, Jake, you mentioned something earlier about rest and, um, and um, really delving into the meaning of, of what does it mean to come into the Lord's rest. Um, I want to say that this is not only a challenge uh, for Americans. Uh, as an American Israeli on the Israeli side, um, people might not realize it, but is Israel is a very fast-moving fast-paced society. Things change here very rapidly. And um, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of jostling. There's a lot of, of, um, of tension and pressure and friction, uh, not only in terms of the, the, the Arab-Israeli conflict in the larger Middle East and as well with um, uh, Palestinian um, acts of terror um, and so forth, but, but also just within the society. Our society has tremendous extremes. I know, I know that right now that's true in America too, but, but here it's like, wow, it's just, it's just wild. We have ultra-orthodox. Ultra, ultra Some of the uh, ultra-orthodox Jewish people in Israel deny that the state of Israel even is relevant uh, because they're looking for the Messiah to be the prime minister and, and, not, and, not, and not this prime minister. And then on mm. the other end, uh, incredibly extreme uh, secular manifestation of of uh, just absurd you know, the whole uh, gender uh, mishmash and and Tel Aviv being being called the most gay friendly city in the world etc. <laughs> but this principle of of God 
that each Friday night we try to gear down. And uh, we've been doing this in my family for, wow, uh, I guess about 45 years, you know, back to the mid-70s mid when, when Connie and I came back into our Jewish heritage. Not as a legalistic thing, but as a, as a blessing. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, what Yeshua said was, is so true. He said, the Shabbat was made for man, not man for the Shabbat. And, and I am convinced that, you know, in the scriptures, especially when you're looking at, at Jewish and Gentile worship patterns, it doesn't matter if it's Saturday or Sunday. Now, you know, for us as Israel, you know, nationally, we kind of shut down on Saturday. Yeah. So from Friday night to, to Saturday evening, there are a lot less services, uh, public services, um, public transportation, uh, shops are closed for the most part, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just, I mean, that's, that's the day that God gave to us. But I want to encourage people, regardless of the day, that there's something in our human construction that God knows that we've got to slow down. And it's so hard because we're, we're, we're aimed at achievement, we're aimed at paying the bills, we're aimed at even our hobbies uh, and our recreation sometimes is somewhat driven. Yeah. Um, the equipment that's required and traveling <laughs> out and so forth and so on. But I want to encourage those, and I'll incorporate in my blessing, I want to encourage those who are listening uh, to really uh, take time to be with the Lord and, and that doesn't require, you know, either a Saturday or a Sunday. It could be, uh, you know, sometime in the middle of the week. I'm also really lobbying for just quality time with Jesus, quality time with the Lord. I've been seeing in the scriptures that before Yeshua healed people, he had time alone with the Father. There was something about yielding his life back to the Father. I mean, we're talking about the Messiah yeah. himself, the Son of God. But he, as, as a human being, had to get alone with God and say, I'm yours. I surrender my independence. I belong to you. And this is, this is all incorporated in the concept of rest. The concept of rest is, you know, I like going to sleep at night because I could just say, okay, whatever I did or didn't do, whatever I did right or didn't do right, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to just get some rest here. And so this is what God wants for us. So I pray right now. I want to pray a, an ancient benediction. This is a, this is a prayer from Numbers chapter 6. When, when God told the, the high priest of Israel, he said, I want you to place my name my nature is what it means. Names carry a, a character and a nature. Uh, the names that we read in the Bible, the Hebrew names have, have meaning. I'm sure the Greek names have meaning also. I'm just more familiar with the Hebrew ones. And God is saying uh, in this blessing, I, I want to put myself, I want to put my nature on you. I want you to reflect who I am. And, and here's the blessing that he gave them. He said, he said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to smile upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord make lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And, and there are two of those blessings, Jake, that have to do with the face of God. So I like to remind people that this is about an intimate relationship with a father who created us 
and who loves us and who redeemed us by coming to be a man and bearing every burden that we have, every restlessness, every anxiety, every fear, uh, every... Every, every place where we have fallen in the mud, every place where people have done us wrong in order that we could shine with his light. And as a proud and loving father, he just, he just beams his, his face upon us. I pray this blessing upon all who are listening. Maybe you could close your eyes now. I want to sing it in Hebrew. May imagine yourself here in Israel under a, a desert sky like the patriarchs just nothing between you and the majesty of God's creation and allowing the Lord to shine upon you and to smile on you and to take pleasure in you. That's why you exist, is that God would take pleasure in you and then as a result of that, there would be such an unspeakable joy and peace in your own heart. Ya er Adonai panavelecha vihuneka Isa Adonai veyasemlecha shalom Amen Amen Thank you so much Eitan Randy um Friends who are listening, we love you, we bless you, and we will see you soon. Wow, wasn't that so beautiful? I told you you would be blessed. Now, who is ready to go to Israel? Because I know I am. (laughs) And you heard it earlier. As believers, we want everyone, everyone to participate in missions at some level. It really is key to who we are as a church. So we hope you will consider going either to Israel or on one of our other mission trips coming up. We were so blessed to take mission trips all over the world in 2022, and we're planning to do even more in 2023. So if you are interested in joining a mission trip team next year, join us for our annual missions expo on Sunday, October 30th at 3 p.m. at Beltway Park Church South Campus. If you don't live anywhere near us, that's okay too, because you are still invited. So find out more information at beltway.org slash missions. Thanks so much for listening to the Beyond Sundays podcast. As we jump into November, we have so many incredible conversations coming up, taking us all the way into the new year. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss an episode because we have a new one each week. We hope you have a wonderful day. Be blessed and remember... God is moving, and he's moving in your life too, beyond Sundays.